So here we go, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social, the show where the Kawai Army share their thoughts on all things town. And I hope you all had a good week. Of course, Kings of Anglia is proudly sponsored by Manscaped and Ginger Pickle. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Simon and Steve, all the way from Devon. Always a pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. Um, as always, if you want to get involved in the fan social, game day and all the other videos we do, contact me at Ross Mini UK on Twitter. And um, great to get all your voices heard as much as we can. Um, let's go over to Simon, first of all, making his return. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks, Russ. Uh, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure, my friend. And if you're watching on video, you are modelling a very beautiful away shirt. Um, let the, the the listeners know, the viewers can see you. So, but yeah, the, the audio yeah. listeners in their cars. Yeah, so I'm wearing the, the 2000, sort of 2002, I think it was, uh, sort of away or third shirt, the, the orange one, which Marcus Stewart, as we were just discussing, scored the, the two goals away at Bolton. And um, I was saying, I was about five when this shirt came out, so I got the, the remake from Copper when that they did that very, very nice shirt. Indeed, man. Yeah, it's looking good. It's looking good. Um, and the man that is joining us is Steve, our Devon correspondent, looking very sharp in the third blackout kit from this season. And he's got a nice little backdrop. If you're watching on video, he looks very, looks very snappy. How are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Um, wearing my third kit. Um, just thinking about going back to Saturday in the Milton Keynes game. And uh, yeah, my background's not bad. I have this Portman Road sign up all the time. And every time I get on a meeting, people are like, what's all that about? And then I have to tell them about the pod. And then... Yeah. Then we start talking about footballing, which is much better than talking about work. So, yes, definitely, my friend. And uh, well, we've got a good 45 to an hour chat, all things town. Um, of course, we've got other podcasts for you guys to listen to, of course, Tractor Girls Talk and, of course, the main flagship show. But um, we've got a lot of cover. Uh, we're going to look back in February and I'm going to do my my standard three words to describe the month. Um, this is my go to. So, Simon, Steve. Three words to describe February. A month for draws, but an unbeaten month. Um, we did get knocked out on the FA Cup by Burnley, but a very good professional performance against them. But Simon, how do you describe February in three words? Yeah, I think the three words that came to me initially was, was just up and down. It was one of those months where there was some very good moments. Obviously, the the game against Burnley, although the result wasn't great, the performance was, was excellent. Obviously, then you had Bristol Rovers in there, Cambridge was in there, some... Although we didn't lose those games, disappointing draws, a really exciting game against Sheffield Wednesday, which was a great game to watch for anyone who was there. And then obviously you've got the uh, the, the two wins at the end, which just about pull you upwards towards the, the top end and make you sort of have the, the good momentum and the good feelings going into the next month. Yeah, definitely. I think we started the month not very good because of the Cambridge game. Then we went to Burnley and we thought... Okay, this could be, and of course we went one nil down. And we thought, oh god, here we go. This is going to be a bad day. But now we got we got a quick equaliser, and we did lose in the end. But uh, yeah, Bristol City, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers game wasn't great. But then we got two good, you know, solid performances against Forest Green, MK Dons, and as you said, up and down is probably good words to use. Steve, I know you're a a good man with words. What are you going to go with? I know some words. I'm not sure whether yeah. I'm a good man with words. Um, couple of them that you've kind of mentioned in the um in the start there so unbeaten uh is a good good starting point i think belief um the last couple of results we've gone quite a few draws and then back into some wins and that's built momentum so unbeaten belief and momentum going forward so if you can hear my dog in the background which you might be able to hear 
he's going mental. I think he wants to join the pod, but um, bring him on. Benson, bring Benson for yeah. you know with with Heath. Yeah. He jumps in and snores and does a bit of woofing as well. Woofing, he's barking. Got, he's got a bit of wind as well, Benson, isn't he? From uh, he's got a bit of wind. Yeah, a bit. So. yeah, yeah. That's all good, my friend. But yeah, I think yeah, unbeaten belief, um, up and down. That was the month of February, and you know February is such a quick month. You know January, February always they're two months. And you just want to get over with, and thankfully we are over that now. We are over the hump. Uh, we're now in March. Um, but Simon, who, who would be your player of the month? Some players stepping up, scoring some goals. Um, of course, it's the first month for the new signings: Broadhead, George Hurst. To really get into it, Massimo Luongo played a few minutes as well, and of course Harry Clark as well. But who's your player of the month? Nathan Broadhead won it for the club, but who's getting yours? Uh, I, I would probably have gone with Lee Davis if, if it had been up to me. I think he certainly, again, it's a month that's kind of awkward. You sort of split it in two parts. I think first half, I don't think anyone was really having a particularly good moment. But I think towards the end, I certainly think Lee Davis, certainly the last couple of games, has, has looked back to his marauding best. Um, but I think Sammy Morsi as well, who is routinely excellent to the point that fans possibly forget how good he is, but then he comes up with a moment like he did at MK Dons, and you sort of think, yeah, that that's why he's there every t- every time, every game. Um, one of our best performers, one of our standouts throughout. But for me, just about Leaf Davis, I think should have should have got it. But Broadhead has had an excellent month as well, so don't want to dec- discredit him too much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, Steve, who's getting your vote, and maybe mention a few other players. Uh, I some you know rightly said. The first few games of this month, it was very, you know, there's not many players sort of maybe would have come out of those games playing really well. But yeah, I think at the end of this month, we got some good results, some good goals, um, you know, clean sheets as well. So, the, you know, back three, back four, um, we'll be pretty happy with that. But yeah, your choice and just any other names you want to mention? Well, my choice was Leaf, uh, same as Simon, really. I think he's been, he's been really, you know, just back to his best and, and just quality down the left. Um, never stops running, never puts in a bad performance. Um, delivery's good. It could have scored uh, MK. Um, I think he's a he's a really really good player. Uh, how how on earth we got him earlier on in the season for, for what we paid for him is is you know beyond me. But um, I think for the new players, Broadhead obviously got Player of the Month, but he's been excellent. Um, watching him in. You know, in the flesh, as it were, at, at MK, you know, his touch is just amazing. You think got some players like Morsi and uh, Chaplin who, who've got really good touch. Um, Broadhead's touch is, is top draw. Um, the, the player I kind of, if I pick one left field, and, and it is a new signing, although he has played for us in, in previous years, is um, Luongo. Every time he's come on, He's looked, I mean, considering he hasn't played, I mean, he was at Borough, he's not played for Borough. Um, and he's coming to us, he's played, was he played probably about 90 minutes now in sort of sub-appearances? He just looks, I mean, he is Morsi's double, isn't he? I mean, you have him on the pitch, you, sometimes you can't tell the difference. They play so you know, uh, so much alike. But yeah, he's just a quality player, Leongo. I think going into the back end of the season, taking that load off Humphreys a little bit, um, with ball and and uh, Pan being out, I think Luongo could be a really really important player for our second part of the season. So um, they're my two: Leaf for for player of the season and Luongo for his impact. I, I think the other thing with Luongo is you've got um, 
the issue of Sammy Morsi's suspension is still hanging like an axe for another four games at least. And it just sort of makes that that feel less of an issue. If, if we're thinking there, saying it's Cam and, and he's sort of struggling to pick anybody else, just play with him. I think the Luongo one could could be massive in that in that environment. The only other name I would throw out there is Christian Moulton, because at the start of this month, I think there was a little bit of criticism coming in that he hadn't quite hit his levels. But I think penalty save at Cambridge, made a fantastic double save at MK Dons. And as, as you say, the team getting back to clean sheets, I think will be vital in the running. So great to see him sort of coming back into some form as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Great. And as, as you actually mentioned about Sam Moore's suspension, boys, do you reckon he will? Can he... You know, I think that's game 37. I think that's when the deadline goes. Do you reckon he will be able to four games to sort of yeah hang on? He's just he's just clever in him, see. I mean, yeah. he he kind of puts the the pressure on, puts the tackles in, gets a gets a yellow here and there, and then as soon as the pressure's on and you think he's gonna get suspended here, he kind of eases off, but it doesn't affect his performance. It's just it's almost like he he kind of knows it's gonna happen. Well, there were some stats, I think, when he did it. Um, he did it for Wigan, where he had like nine or ten games he had to go without a booking and managed it. Um, dropped the suspension, dropped off, and then he went. First game back, he got booked. So he's just he's just a clever player, really, really clever player. He knows how to play the game. So yeah, I mean, I think you see that by the fact he, he very rarely gets second yellow cards. He, he knows exactly where the line is. He mm-hmm. knows exactly how to play right up to it. And basically, if you just tell him to play like he's starting every game on a yellow card, I think, I think that's fine because he, he can do it. You've seen him do it so many times for us for long periods. Like he'll get booked in the first five ten minutes, and the rest of the game he'll, he won't put a foot wrong. So, no, I, I, I think he can do it. It's just you always know that he could just get one. It, it's one of those things. It doesn't take much yeah, to get a yellow card. Red miss, does he? I think that's the thing with with um, with Morsi. He doesn't seem to get worked up. Um, you know, there's players we've had in the past, you, you know, would be a red card walking half the time. Hmm. Um, doesn't really, doesn't seem to get affected by the game when things are going on around him. He doesn't, doesn't lose his head um, and go diving in. He's just consistently strong. Um, so, he, yeah. He, he's, he, sort of, he's sort of good at that role of giving away a niggly foul on the halfway line. That is never a yellow card, but is really subtly good for the team. Yeah, it's one of those like Fernandinho was great at that for City. Like he just mm-hmm. seemed to just clip you, not enough to be a yellow, but enough to stop you running in behind him, sort of thing. So I think Morsi can do that as well. Cool. I uh, think it's birthday for yeah. Arsenal was the same, wasn't yeah. it? Very similar yeah. type of player. Um, just yeah. broke the play up. Um, always you think he's on a tightrope, but never actually got to a point where he was getting sent off. So. Yeah, I think he's good with the ref as well. I think there's been a few times he, he does have a chat with the ref, but he's, I think, very smart with it. Um, I think, once again, he's a, he's a cool sort of character, even though he, he look, can be intense, but I think maybe he, he knows what he's going to say and he, he knows the proper words to sort of say to the referee. Um, but yeah, we, we shall see. And of course, it was great to see him score on the weekend. A very good goal. Um, we want to see more of that, of course. I think there's a lot of, you know, good old Hutchie um, on Million Pounds Picks. He was, you know, betting the Morsi's score, but um, that was his first goal in a while. I think his last goal, I mean, could it get up, was the, the game against Cholton. We the 4-4, the crazy, crazy result. Um, and of course, the other goals were against Barnsley um, and Forest Green. So he hasn't scored that many this season, but it was good to see him score, um, which is good. Um, all right then, boys. It's time for the hotly debated um, discussion on Nitrish Town timeline at the moment. Wes Burns. Um, now, he's had some 
I'll say unfair criticism this season. Um, okay, he's not been the, the best Burns of old from last year, but he's still got the numbers. He's still playing well here and there. Okay, he's not consistently playing well, but um, where are you at, um, Simon? Where are you at with Wes Burns and in terms of what sort of side are you on? I think it's a really difficult one for me at the minute because I love Wes Burns. You, you love what he's done. He's been so good for such an, a consistent period of time over a year and a half. He's been, been very good. Um, but but the performances recently, for me, haven't been up to his standard. And for me, it's not so much about the numbers or the... Because he still contributes in games every so often and he still has moments, particularly in the big games. You see him, he seems a very like up for the big moments. He scores against Sheffield Wednesday, he scores against... I didn't score. No, he didn't. Again, Plymouth did and a couple of others. He seems to enjoy those big occasions. For me, the big issue with him is he doesn't seem as positive when he gets the ball anymore. When he has his man one on one, he seems to want to come back inside rather than like, remember last season, he just burst past people. No one could touch him. And yes, there's some factors for why he's not doing that. He gets doubled up more because last season teams worked out that that was our only threat to goal. We've got a threat on the other side now. So then not as much of the players funneled through him. Um, but he, his performance for me haven't been there. And I think Caden Jackson has shown little flashes from the bench that he deserves a go at some point. And no one no one should be undroppable in the team. I mean, that's that's just true of, all, of the squad as a whole. If your performances aren't to the level we need them to be, there has to be a question asked there. But I don't think it's he's a terrible footballer. I don't think we're anywhere near that as a, as a concept. But I would like to see Kedden given a go, given the flash he's shown from the bench, I think. Yeah, I think, Steve, that was one of the the big sort of discussion points on the, for the Bristol Rovers game. I think people thought that was a perfect game for Kane Jackson to start, but he didn't. Wes Burns started. And uh, and yeah, I think Kane didn't come on. I don't He did come on at some point. But yeah, where, where are you at with, um, with Wes Burns and just the, the whole conversation that he's been about him? I think it's a bit unfair. Um, you can hear fans in the ground when they're, when he gets the ball and he, I totally agree with Simon. He's 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 not got that burst of pace that go past a fullback, um, which he had last season. I think part of it is because teams have kind of worked him out uh, and and, and realised they've got to double up or, or sometimes even triple up on him because he's got pace and he's got he's got a trick to get past and he's good at delivering the ball. Um, that kind of limits his options when he's going forward. I also don't think that the fact that he he missed the opportunity to go uh, with Wales. Uh, to the World Cup has kind of dented his confidence a little bit. Um, there's flashes of it when he gets the ball and you think, oh, God, just go for it, Wes. You can, you know, you're far better than League One quality. Um, but he just seems to be lacking a bit of self-belief at the minute, which is a shame because on his day, he's he's excellent. He really is. I mean, his number, considering everyone's kind of picking up on his, you know, his performances this season, as you say, Ross, he's, he's scored, what's he got, five goals, seven assists? I mean, he's it's not bad. Yeah. It's yeah. not bad. And he's got, he had a goal and two assists in the FA Cup. So he's, he's, he's having a decent season stat wise, but I just think he's, he's kind of been constrained a little bit by teams finding us out. Yeah. And that's, that's not just Wes, that's, you know, across the board, we've had games where, you know, we get the usual part of the bus, low press. That's, it's just not helpful. Um, and that I think has impacted the swapping around between um, JD and, uh, and Harry Clark as well behind him possibly has unsettled him a little bit because he was flying with JD last year. Um, although I would say Clark was 
is is a significant upgrade um i think on on jd although i love jd um so i think it's a bit unfair um it's frustrating because i think fans get annoyed with it because they know how good he is and how good he can be so then when he's not delivering it week in week out people get a little bit frustrated um but i'd have him in my team every single week okay Caden has been good i mean he was he was good when he came on the other day against milton Keynes, but I think between the two of them, I would definitely have West Burns. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that Caden's a better footballer or that, that Burns wouldn't have a, a look in. I just think that Caden Jackson would probably just be thinking, what do I need to do to prove more that I deserve a shot, given Wes hasn't quite hit his levels? I think the Harry Clark thing is interesting because he's more progressive than Donatian. You do wonder if he sort of takes some of Wes's space away, given he's flying around him, taking that opportunity to get forward. Well, that's the space that Wes would have been operating in last season and Genoi not quite as up and pressing in that area. So he probably would have more space to operate in. But as you said, I think Harry Clark for the squad as a whole is better, but maybe not personally for Wes Burns. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. And maybe this discussion has been made because, yeah, Wes hasn't scored, say, since the Plymouth game. Um, I don't know when the last time he got an assist. Um, I haven't got that stop on hand. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, maybe it's why, just maybe this month, he hasn't been sort of seen up and down the flank. You know, he hasn't been the same old Wes Burns. But sometimes some players are just up and down, just like Towns Month in February. But um, I think, you know, he's going to be a key player, hopefully, for the for the rest of you know, this season going into the big, big games. And as, as you said, Simon, you know, he'll be up for hopefully the big games against Bolton, Barnsley this month. Um, so, yeah, bring it on and uh, we shall see. And that's just the standard football thing, I think, for every football club. I think we mentioned this on, on the main pod about scapegoats. I don't know if that's the right word, but what's your what's your thoughts on that? You know, just players, everyone just saw earmarks. Oh, they're not being good enough. You know, they should be starting. You know, it happens everywhere. Simon, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's definitely a thing. I mean, I'd say Genoi is probably a prime example at Ipswich for a long period. I mean, he was certainly for the first part of his career given torrid abuse from from a lot of people. And then suddenly his performance seemed to get better. There seemed to be a weight lifted from him. And it, it, I think it boils down to confidence. You, the players want to feel the crowd is on their side. And we need to show them that love in the stadium. Yeah, behind closed doors, in, in the pub, you have whatever conversation you want. When they're on the pitch, when you're in the stands, you don't want to hear those negative comments. You want fans to be behind them. You want don't want anything online. Just keep it keep it personal, I suppose. And Wes will find it again. I've no doubt about that. He seems a very strong-headed character, and he just needs a bit of confidence. As and I think McKenna will know that, and I think he'll find that from him again. But it's important that fans sort of stick with him through that period because, as I say with Janoy, you see what can happen if you stick with someone through the tough moments, they can suddenly give you the performances that you were crying out for during the, the sort of bad spells. Of course, that was Paul Lambert who just went, yeah, don't like him. Um, but then Janoy is been here longer than Paul Cook, Paul Lambert combined. So there we go. Uh, and Steve, another player, really. It's Freddie Ladapo. Once again, he's very 50-50 with, you know, the town fan base. Some people think, ah, oh, he's not good enough. But then he goes and scores the amount of goals he scored this year. Of course, some of them have been in cup games, but that's another sort of scapegoat maybe player. Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of on that page when we first signed him because the first couple of games I was like, I'm not really sure he's you know he's he's an upgrade on what we had at the time. But um, since the more games he plays, I mean, he is good when he starts. He's he's definitely better when he starts than when he comes on as a sub. But he's he's a really really good player, Freddie. Um, 
I, I know we've got Hurst come in and, you know, there's that battle between Hurst and Freddie. Either of those two players, I would be quite happy to put up front. Um, I think Freddie's a, he's good at holding the ball up. Um, he likes to get a shot off. Um, his header against Forest Green, was it Forest Green where he just yeah. wide with his head, which is a little bit, that was a little bit disappointing, um, which was quite good for me because I had a 4 0 win on my bet. And if we just cut that in, it would have been 5 0, sort of loss, but um, paid for my ticket to go to MK. But yeah, I, I, I like Freddie, I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's a, he's a very, very good player. Whether he would be in our starting lineup if we were to go up, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it was as a League One target man, and that's essentially what McKenna likes to play, he likes to play one up, one up top. Um, I think he's a he's a really good signing, really good signing. I mean, I think you sort of look at his goals this season compared to we had sort of four strikers last season. I mean, obviously Macaulay Bond had a crazy run at the start, but then fell away. Sort of, he had I think twelve league goals or something over the course of the season. I think Freddie's got eleven already. There's thirteen games to go, so mm. he's going to outscore all the strikers from last season. So you've got to say that's an upgrade if you look at it purely based on the numbers of, of goals, which is. What strikers are judged on if for a large quantity of their work but he does a lot of great work as well without the ball which is what i think let, let the likes of mccordy bond and james norwood down is when the, the ball was sort of fed into them they didn't fit that style of play to bring others into the game to link the play with the midfield i don't think that was their natural game and i don't think it was freddie's when he came in but he's certainly shown that improvement over the course of the season it'd be interesting to see how him and her sort of dovetail in the last sort of 13 fixtures yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll bookmark this striker talk because, of course, we're going to be talking about the Burton game later on in the podcast. And that will be my one of my questions, sort of spoiler alert. Uh, we'll be talking about who is Stephen Simon going to pick to start up front against Burton. Will it be George Hurst or Fleer Dapo? But we'll have a little pause here and it's time for the strike. Stephen Simon going head to head. Who will be crowned champion this week? And as always, pens and paper at the ready. Get involved at home, wherever you're listening to. Um, four questions plus tiebreaker is standard. Um, and first question is on Tyro Mings, who celebrates his birthday this month. And now, can you remember what shirt number did he wear at town first of all? So, of course, he became number three when Cresswell left. But what was his first squad number? Was it 12, 15 or 18? 12, 15 or 18. And, of course, if you get it right, one point. So, there you go, Tyro Mings. Um yeah, what what a journey he's gone on though, hasn't he? Um, yeah, <laughs> plan for England after joining from us from Chippenham, unbelievable. But um, what do you reckon, then, boys? Twelve, fifteen, or eighteen? I went for eighteen. Eighteen. Wow, you're both wrong. It's actually fifteen. <laughs> it's fifteen. So there we go. Um, of course, if it was Bono or Harvey Davis, they'll know it because they're the squad numbers guys um but yeah there we go so no no points there to start off the strike question two is on uh good old colin healy the irishman who of course um had Cesc fabregas in his pocket in the arsenal um carlin cup semi-final at Port, uh, portland road of course the one nil win he, he set up thomas priskin um for the goal um now he's the current manager of which irish club is it cork city shelbourne or shambrock rovers but yeah current manager of one of these teams in Ireland, I think since 2018, I think was the, the stat. Um, so there we go. So uh, Cork City, Shelbourne or Shamrock Rovers. And 
sort of a little fun fact. He actually signed town, signed for town from this one of these clubs. So there we go. Uh, what do you reckon then, Simon, Steve? Who are you going for? Put Shelbourne. Didn't have a clue. Cork. And the correct answer is Cork City. So Steve has taken the lead. And of course, yes, joined town from Cork City back in 2009. I don't know the correct date, but it does, that doesn't matter. No one really cares because it's question three time. And question three, from one midfielder to another, what is Roger Osborne's middle name? Of course, the FA Cup goal-scoring hero. Is it Charles, Henry or William? As you know me. I love our middle names. Always a standard strike question in these days. Um, and yeah, Roger. Um, celebrates his birthday this month. Good old Roger Osborne. Is it Charles, Henry or William? So is it Roger, Charles Osborne? Roger, Henry Osborne? Or Roger, William Osborne? And uh, when, I, when I found out his middle name was sort of like a an old style English name, I had to go through the, you know, the kings we've had in England. So I've gone, you know, yeah, I've gone for all of the, the free sort of kings of you know had of course we've got Charles now as the king of England and all that jazz but uh, what do you reckon then boys Simon needs to get this right to go to the tiebreaker let's see uh, I said William okay both gone William the correct answer is actually Charles Roger mm-hmm. Charles Osborne so um, yep, Simon it's all still to play for uh, because if you get this right it goes to a tiebreaker but if Steve gets it right then uh, he wins but course tiebreaker gamble let's see if he does that question four is on a goalkeeper neil alexander also celebrates his uh, birthday this month and I've, I've probably done this question on strike before but um as you know i'm lazy um but how many clean sheets did he keep in 31 games of course he had only that one season or not even one season at the club he, he was there just for half a season and then went back to range i think when rangers came calling he was always gonna go wasn't he but i um, mean yeah, he left in january but he played 31 games in total uh, cup and league competitions, but how many clean sheets in 31 games? Um, of course, now, Great actually, Simon, yeah, penalty, yeah. Um, Simon, if you get this bang on, my friend, you get two points, so you could actually win. But if Steve gets it, um, bang on, he, he wins by three goals to nil. Um, but if he gets it right, he just wins two nil. But we'll see, we'll see. And if you, of course, just get it right, Simon, it'll go to a tiebreaker anyway. But anyway, enough of me rambling, boys. What do you reckon? 31 games, how many clean sheets? I said 12. 12, okay. Miles higher than me. I went five. Five. I've just got to do my maths quickly. It's eight is the correct answer. No, so five wins it just. Oh, so Steve has won it. There we Stuck go, Steve. Stuck in the post. Stuck in the post there. But eight, eight out of 31. I don't know. I thought you weren't a bad goalie, Neil Alexander. No, but I, I, I liked him. I remember yeah. him when I was, when I was younger. As I say, the penalty saves. He saved like three or four penalties in his yeah. very short spell with us. Yeah, yeah, but um, eight, eight, I don't know. At that time, I think we. I forgot what season that was. Now, was that under Jim? Under Jim Magilton? Would have been Magilton era. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was. It was the year before we signed Kevin Lisby. So, yes. so yeah, it was sevenish. Oh six, oh seven. Oh seven or eight. Still pretty good though. It's not too bad, yeah, if you think about that that season, because, you know, Jim's side, we're never known to, we've scored goals, but we did concede goals. Mm. Um, but yeah, not bad stat, not bad stat. Um, well, Steve, the burning question is here, are you going to gamble, my friend? Always going to gamble. 
always going to gamble. Always. Gamble responsibly, of course. Gamble responsibly. But um, yeah. as you proven, Steve, you know you, you were able to pay your MK ticket because um, betting four 0 and thankfully Freddie left Dapo didn't score. There's um, a story now. around the four 0 and I'm going to I'm going to share this story because for the Southwest fans, they'll love this. So, um, in our Southwest supporters group, we've got a guy in the group, Graham, who every single week bets four 0 and it is now collectively known as a Graham. So every week, people asking in the chat, what's the score going to be? The amount of people that say it's got to be a Graham, it's got to be a Graham. So now it's not a 4 0, <laughs> it's a Graham. So if anyone's betting on Ipswich, I mean, bet responsibly. But if you are and you put a 4 0, that is now collectively known as a Graham. So little, little Southwest story for you. Really good. And of course, we've had two 4 0s in the last few months. And of course, we had a 4 0 against Buxton. Was that, does Cup games count as well? Do you? Do you Any game, doesn't matter. Any game? <laughs> doesn't so matter. There we go. Yeah, we've had, a, we've had, of course, we had a 3 0 against Oxford on Boxing Day. Um, so we've been close to many Grahams. But uh, so there we go. Um, now, the tiebreaker is not on someone called Graham, um, but it is on Tommy Smith. Now, Simon, a chance. You've got to, of course, get it bang yeah. on to win uh, but how many how many goals did Tommy Smith score in 267 games of course he was uh, known for him and Christoph Berra and even Luke Chambers they, they scored a few goals didn't they in a, a few couple of seasons under Mick McCarthy we were, they were known as the, the defenders who scored from headers and yeah they just scored goals um, of course Tommy Smith scored a very good goal once um, against Brentford didn't he a little half volley against in on Boxing Day which was a great great day down down there but in 267 games how many goals did Tommy Smith score um, just going to quickly get the answer up just in case I've got it wrong no okay I've got it Steve of course you can play as well you start off Steve what, what are you going for 18 18 okay I put 11 11. Oh, you're not backing Tommy. 23. 23 wow. goals, Tommy Smith. Um, it's yeah, he's one intense. Pretty good for a defender. Not too bad, yeah. I think so. In the 2012-2013 uh, season, he scored four goals. 2013-14, he scored six. And then, of course, the playoff season, he scored five. So he had a good little period there, three seasons, scoring a good good amount of numbers. And then there's other seasons he scored three and three. And then his final season, his final full season, he scored two goals. Um, so not great numbers there. But 23 goals in 267 games, not too shabby. Um, so to say, Simon, Steve has won. Steve, you gambled and you still are the champion this week. A speech as always. Well, I'd like to thank Graham uh, <laughs> for his inspiration um, to, to go for that. I mean... I think, I've, I think I've only ever won the strike once, um, which is a little bit of a sad state of affairs. But yeah, please, um, good, good, um, solid performance the whole way through, taken to the wire, um, and won by a goal off the post. So happy with that. We won three nil. You won three nil, so you didn't get a Graham in this strike. But um, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Still matter. Three there points. we go. Still three points in the back. There we go. Um, all right then, boys. Well, that is a strike done and dusted. Hope everyone at home enjoyed it. Let us know how you got on. Um, now, today um, is World Book Day. So I thought, let's talk about some books, which is probably the last thing you ever thought that, that come out of my my my, uh, my mouth, talking about books. But I'm a, I'm a bit of a bookworm. I do like to read a book here and there. Maybe not as much as I should. But um, 
I just want to know what's your favourite book? You know, sport related. You know, we're we're sporty boys here, so you know, I'm sure there's you know sport biographies or just general sports books. So, Simon, any any books you could recommend the listeners or any other books out there for you? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of thinking about sports books today, sort of mentioned it. Um, the Damned United was one I I loved when to read when I was younger. It was uh, I mean, I know it's not true really. A lot of the the story in it is is fictional, but it it was gave a great sort of indication of Brian Clough is one of my sort of favourite um, characters in football. I've read his autobiography as well, which is a cracking read if you haven't read it, full of great stories and how he, he tells the story of uh, how Rome wasn't built in the day, but he wasn't on that particular job. So it's typical sort of Brian Clough uh, mannerisms throughout, which are, are really, really good to sort of get that insight from, particularly for someone like me, who obviously wasn't following, wasn't live when he was sort of in his sort of imperious best work so it's really good to to read that sort of storyline from him he's he's a really good character and a great story writer as well uh, uh, biography writer as well definitely um steve too i want to quickly um share um of course like the town related one i am um, I've, I've read a few you know of course by robson and and kieran dyer's got a really good one as well and i i was lazy with kieran this i i, I listened to it during um, lockdown and covid and I said I listened to it. I so I actually didn't read it. I actually just listened to it because of course there's some books you can. Um, they've got audio versions, and um, that's what I used to do. I used to go for a walk and just just listen to it. And uh, you know that's lazy, but that's a very good book. Definitely recommend. And of course, uh, you know his backstory and everything like that is you know wasn't great, but yeah, it's just a good read. So I recommend that as a town read. And there's of course a few other ones out there for town fans. Of course, Kevin Beatties and all that stuff. But yeah, Steve, any any you would recommend? Yeah, just touching on the on the Cluffy thing, really. I think I think one Cluffy's last game against Ipswich at Portman Road because I, I I was at that match and I yeah. just remember him wearing the you know the typical green uh, sweatshirt that he always used to wear and he was quite ruddy faced right at the end of his career. Um, he got a he got a fantastic um, reception by the town fans on that game. I think Keane was playing for for Forest yeah. on that day from from what I remember um but going back to books I've got two I've got I've got a non-sport related and a sport related so my non-sport related um is a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson um I absolutely love Bill Bryson he is just such a great storyteller um and the short history of nearly everything is I mean it literally is everything um it's just a brilliant read um couldn't put it down took it on holiday read the lot in in a week um really really good book like all of his stuff really tales from a small island and all that sort of stuff um so that one i would highly recommend and sports related um it would be and they turn this into a film i'm a, quite a big baseball fan i quite the picture behind me there is Fenway Park, which is Boston Red Sox, which is my team. But um, there's a book by Michael Lewis called Moneyball, which they turned into a film with Brad Pitt. Um, and the other guy, the comedian or the... the uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic book. Um, really, really good sort of story of using stats to win games. And, and if you know anything about baseball, baseball is a very stats-focused sport. Um and he's just the way that the guy used all that data um to kind of influence players they brought in that no one else would touch because of you know history of them or whatever and he just brought them in knowing that they could perform uh on that level so that's a really that's a really really good book it's quite hard to get him if you can try and find it on amazon it's quite hard to find in paperback but 
you can get it in hardback, but it's it's well worth a read, if, particularly if you're into American sport, which I am. Well, the, the, the Moneyball thing is interesting because it's it's essentially the model Brentford used in their player recruitment after yep. for a long period, and and that's why they sort of are great at buying low and selling really really high because they, yeah. they sort of take punts on players that other teams have sort of missed or, or glossed over. So it's 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 the way football's going as well. So. I think as much as it started in baseball and American sports, I think football is is going more and more in that direction and will continue to too. So, I think that's where Ashton's uh, Mark Ashton's uh, dashboard comes from, doesn't it? I mean, similar sort of yeah. thing. He's looking at stats and all the data in the background uh, before they're looking at sort of picking players to join the squad. So, yeah, two two good books. Um, I think I've read the Bryson one three times, um, and every time you read it, you learn something new. Um, you know, when you go into a, if you sat in a pub somewhere and someone asks you a question, you just, well, you tell them a fact, they go, where the hell do you know that? Um, most of those are from that book, um, just random stuff, but it's, it's well worth reading and it's an easy read as well. So. Sounds good. Well, um, I may, I may format that myself, that book, Stephen, read it myself. I, I was going to, next question I was going to ask quickly before we get into, of course, um, a month predictions, a March predictions and, um, looking at Burton, um, out of the town squad, who do you reckon reads the most? I know Sam Morsey, I think he's really into his like leadership, um, maybe dictators sort of books. I know I think he's been pictured a few times with just like, you know, you know, leaders um and stuff like that. Books. Oh, I forgot which book it was now in particular. But um any other players you reckon are a bookworms in the squad? Of course, these days it's modern day technology, a lot of people on their phones and stuff like that, and probably playing games and stuff. But any any bookworms you reckon in the squad? Any I think you know what some one player I think was surprised. I think Vaclav Lanky, the goalie. I don't know why he decided to pick him out. I know because I can't say his name really well. But I don't know. I just feel like he could be one who, who likes to read. But any any other players? Sonny Aluko, maybe Shawnee Aluko. Sorry. Yeah, I can see Shawnee. I, I think Chinoy. You sort of go for the people with the calm demeanors, don't you? Seeing that when you picture people reading, so I think those those guys, Chinoy Danasian, I think probably can see him sitting down with a good book or something and having a, a relaxed chill time. Maybe someone like Connor Chaplin as well, just can, can see it sort of taking the time to do that. I reckon Young McKenna well. likes a good book. Yeah, yeah. McKenna I definitely. Yeah, he's like a, he's studious in the way that he thinks about the game and I, I'm sure he's he likes to pick up a good book, even if it's not football related. Um, but yeah, I would have gone for JD as well. Um, I think he'd be... If these if these lads actually listen to this podcast, they'd be all sat. I bet they're all sat in the in the training ground listening to it, going, "There's no way JD is reading the most books." There's probably one that we've not even thought about. Um, who does it? It's probably Freddie or something like that. Yeah. Who likes a good read? Well, I think the thing is that they got like you know a lot of, lot lot of town fans do a lot of traveling, you know, around the country, yeah. and I'm sure they you need to find some way to pass time, and reading is sometimes the best thing to do. And if you definitely get yourself a good book and a good you know selection, then you're set for for the season, hopefully. So so there we go. So well book day. Um, hope you celebrated it, and we're we're bringing it here on fan social. So hope you've you enjoyed. Dress up, you know, like parents yeah, get their kids to dress up for book yeah. day. That's yeah. like my 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 missus is, was amazing at that. She used to have fantastic costumes for my young youngest and my eldest. Um, and now they're a little bit older; they don't have to do it anymore. But um, you should have got us to dress up. Yeah, should have done. Yeah, who would you dressed up as? I'll get you dressed up as Brian Clough. Simon, <laughs> you're just dressed as you know Marcus Stewart. Um, you know when he scored the two goals at Bolton. So there we go. Yeah. Take that. Take that. Yeah, like it. I like it. All right, then, boys. Well, um, let's look into March then. Um, 
some big games, 15 points up for grabs, five games, a lot of home games, actually, which is good. Um, three home games, two away games, Burton at home, Accrington at home, under lights, uh, but a Bolton away, a big game um, at the, well, it's not the Reebok anymore, is it? It's got the Macron or University. It was the University of Bolton for a while. Yeah. yeah. But we all know it's the Reebok. We all, I used to love calling it the Reebok. I'm going to call yeah. it that for, for whatever. Uh, that's my reason. Then a Shrewsbury at home. And then Barnsley away at Oakwell to end the month. A very big game indeed. 15 points up for grabs, guys. How many points do you reckon Town will get? Simon, your thoughts on the five games? I mean, I, th- I think the, the thought for me, main thought, is you've got to win those home games to take the pressure off off the big away games. I know we talk about Burton potentially coming to this game in a little bit of form, for, I think four wins from six or something. Um, Accrington, that, that, you just have to win that, that game. But I... Shrewsbury, Burton, Accrington. Yes, all right, they're decent sides at League One. We can't be fearing sides like that if we really have our sights set on promotion, which is the goal. You just have to win those games. We can't be talking about trying to make excuses of their better side, doing the McCarthy thing of they're in false positions, whatever. Town need to go with that swagger of, of we should beat those sides. And then split that with the two-way games, which are the two toughest fixtures of the month by some margin. If you then got one point, two points from those, that's actually not a bad return. That's 10 points over the course of five games, 10, 11 points. If you could win one of those, suddenly you talk about it being a really, really good month. If you got sort of 12 points from 15, those two or eight games. So for me, the, the home games are, are probably more crucial. And then away games almost become a bit of a, a hit to nothing and take your pressure off and go and play with the freedom. Because we can win those games, it's just going to be more difficult. Yeah, Steve, what's your what's your thoughts going into these games? As uh, the home games are the big ones in terms of getting yeah three points maximum points against them, and then the two away games are going to be two teams who are you know fighting playoffs with us. Um, I think a lot of people are saying the top six is the top six at the moment, but um, who will finish where is the question? But uh, what's your thoughts? Um, I think two wins on the bounce leading into this, you know, to the next two home games is is massive. Um, I can see us winning that. But uh, beating Burton and beating Accrington, um, I think we'll get we'll be on a, a run of four, um, four straight wins, which will be the expectation will be through the roof, and everyone will be getting you know a little bit heady and maybe a little bit beyond themselves. But and I think potentially the Bolton game. I mean Bolton, Bolton didn't have a good result the other night, but um, I think that will end up a draw. Um, I think we'll go to uh, the Reebok. Um, and it'll end up as a draw. I've got a sneaky feeling we're going to draw against Shrewsbury, um, which kind of doesn't really sit that well with me because we should be turning turning them over for another home uh, home three points. And then we've got the Barnsley game. So I think two wins, then two draws. And I've got a sneaky feeling the Barnsley one will be a defeat. Um, and then I think the wheels will fall off on the fan base at that point um, because to go from four wins two draws unbeaten in six or seven at that point and then to lose to Barnes and it wouldn't surprise me if Norwood scores that, that's just it's written in there he's going to get a goal um, so I think we'll probably end up with eight um, but we should realistically come out of that with probably ten I would think I, I think ten is and ten is probably the benchmark for a good return I think below that you're disappointed. Above that is a superb return. I yeah. think that for me is sort of your benchmark figure of, of what you because that's the two points a game, isn't it, to get promoted? 
yeah. five games, 10 points. So that's and what Tam's going to be looking. I mean, Tam should be thinking 15 in, inside the squad internally with the confidence and, and the quality of players they've got. There's no reason they can't win all of those games, but nope. they are difficult and teams are difficult. We've seen that throughout. So, um, yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see. I think, weirdly, some of those away games might suit us a bit more with the teams coming out, giving us a bit more space. Um, but that they've got real quality. And I think we saw that against Sheffield Wednesday when two good teams got it. It, it will be two pretty good fixtures, I think, those two away games. I think we'll probably all be... I mean, we are at the minute, aren't we? We're all looking at sort of Sheffield Wednesday and Argyle and how, you know, those results go. Um, Argyle losing 5-2 at the weekend was hilarious. Um, that made my weekend. Um, it's the first time in weeks I've been able to text my mate and say, your WhatsApp, that, WhatsApp not working today? You're not sent me a text message about the football. So um, that potentially is something we're going to be looking at if Argyle um, do end up going on this, you know, wobble that everyone seemed to think they would have at some point they haven't had one yet this might be the point where they start to have a little bit of one um so if we can get a couple more wins that really puts the pressure on um i, I um, think if you look at argyle's next couple of games they've got a tough couple of tough fixtures have, in there as well yeah. so i think it's again when we talk about the next two are so important because if you win both those and argyle drop even two or three points in those fixtures suddenly we're talking about a two-point gap to, yep. to Plymouth and and the momentum suddenly town are coming up like a train and Plymouth are suddenly the ones sweating in their position like we were earlier in the season with the Sheffield Wednesday coming behind us so hopefully this is the month where town build the momentum I, I think ultimately it's, it's the back end of this month and the start of next month that will determine where town finish because we've got those not just those two away games at the end of this month I think we've got Peachborough away and Derby away at the start Derby. of April as well yeah. so that's like four of the top six, in, well, four of the the top teams in this division within about six weeks. So I think you'll know where town will be at at the end of that run, I think, um, and whether we're still thinking about top two automatics or whether we, we resign ourselves to a playoff run. I, th- I think the key to it is if we can if we can maintain some form, even if we have a couple of draws in this in sort of the next batch of matches, the next sort of four or five, if we can maintain some form and if we do if we do genuinely end up in the playoffs we need to be in positive momentum not negative because if we go into it falling short and then the the results start going against us that's not going to help us we need to be going into it on a on a bit of a roll because playoffs are almost always won by the team in the best form we see that throughout history it's the teams that come up that win it not the ones that are dropping away yeah, exactly. It's the ones who come into the bottom, you know, the bottom playoff place. How many times have they gone up? You know, they get the momentum, they put the effort in, they get into the playoffs and then they go straight the way through. So um, as long as we can keep some momentum, I think that's key for us. Um, but we've got, we've got honestly, a, a cracking squad for this league. Um, those games really shouldn't be worrying us, yeah. really. Um, but the Bolton and Barnsley ones are the ones I think potentially we're going to causes the most problems. I think the other positives now is, is the midweek games are pretty much done between now and the end of the season. There's not too many left. So mm-hmm. realistically, you think the squad shouldn't be as stretched as it has been at, at times throughout the season. And that is when you talk about the quality of players and if they're all available, hopefully that could start really shining through in the, in the last sort of couple of months of the season. 
Yeah. yeah, definitely a big thing as well, boys. We we got back to back wins for the first time um, since October. Um, and, after and the, three, and three clean sheets in a row, I think. Yeah. Which get, getting back to that sort of basics of t- taking it because that's what when the Kenneth first took over, we went on an insane sort of clean sheet run. And I think getting back to that sort of fundamentals of the game because we will this team will score goals. It's got so much quality yeah. through it. If you keep a clean sheet, we will win more games than we lose because we've got the firepower to just nick one. I mean, at first half against MK Dons, I don't think we played that well, but Morsi shows that quality to get the goal. Yeah, second half, we should have scored more. But I would back us to score in every game, pretty much, because we've got that quality. Then we keep a clean sheet. Well, then that's that's basically game one if you if you get that to that point. So I think that's been a real bonus for the last sort of three games. Definitely. Um, well, then, boys, let's um, end the podcast looking ahead to Burton. Um, at Portman Road. Um, of course, the um, game is um, her game too, dedicated game as well. Um, the whole weekend, um, as well as the um, the women's fixture against Plymouth at the AJ Arena, Felix though is also uh, her game too, um, dedicated game. Of course, um, a great um, you know, system that they've set up at her game too. Um, you know, that, uh, it was launched back um, in 2021, back in May. Um, for you know, aims for women and girls of all ages to feel confident and safe sharing their opinions about football online. And of course, we we attract the girls' talk where Blue Wilson and all Town players as guests, um, and some other great people who who um, have been involved in this podcast. Even Maddie Reader, who's our ambassador, she does some great work with the football club. But um, yeah, they, they've got they're just they're just brilliant at celebrating the, her game too, um, and just the opportunities in football. So um, yeah, it's great. I think the players will be wearing the the t-shirt. I think the women's team. We'll be doing some stuff as well at um, Felixstowe. Um, but yeah, Burton Albion then, boys. We've, we've done our prediction already on that, but your thoughts on them as, as a whole, as you said, Simon, the informed team, but we're going to go into the unknown because they are still 18th in League One, so they are still struggling. But um, yeah, your thoughts on, on this one? Yeah, I mean, two sides that have become weirdly linked over the course of the season through Gasana Hadmi and uh, Corin Darby was on loan there earlier on in the season, wasn't he, before he got recalled and and out to Fleetwood but I, I think we know I know they're a new squad I know there's been differences but I, I would expect a lot of similar things that we've seen from them before I mean low block keep men behind the ball keep it tight um, look to frustrate uh, I, I can't see them looking to play an open expansive game if they did I'd be delighted because I think we'd win that game comfortably if they tried to do that to us um, it, it's one of those games where obviously you hope that the crowd can sort of really create that atmosphere because Burton, I mean, their ground is absolutely tiny. I think it's what, seven, 8,000. It's so that will be a big, it will be a big game for them and it will be a big day. So they will be up for it. So I think it's important that the crowd really make themselves heard. And I think ultimately our quality on, on the day should shine through. Uh, I don't think it'll be easy. I think probably maybe might have to wait a bit. We need the fans to not get frustrated by that. And uh, I think ultimately we will win it by a couple of goals to nil. Okay. And Steve, we, we mentioned it earlier about strikers. Who are you going to start? George Hurst, Freddie Dapo. As you said, Freddie, for me and I think everybody else out there, I'm sure yourself, um, he's a better starter. But George Hurst has played well in these last few weeks. Um, played really well against MK. Um, your thoughts on, on who's starting? I probably would start Freddie. Um, I think if you look at the way that Burton play uh, and and the attributes that that Freddie has got, I think he's probably more suited to play against Burton. Um, I think Hurst is is 
technically i think what well, he is a better player technically i mean he's played you know he's a premier league squad um player um but i probably would play freddie against burton I, I i'm kind of on the same page as simon i think we'd probably win by a couple of goals probably two nil um the fact that we've come into it with two wins on the bounce i'm just hoping the crowd uh, uh, give the the players the lift um and if we don't score early they don't let it show um because i think it's it will be only a matter of time before we we do score against them so um yeah i mean gasan can't play because he's played for us already this season so he's not going to be playing so and they have had a couple of changes in squad they've brought a couple of players in haven't they i think they've brought in a lad from charlton as well so be interesting to see but i think we'll probably come out of that with a a relatively comfortable two nil Another clean sheet. Another clean sheet. Happy about that. Um, Simon, where, where are you at in terms of any other players starting, not starting? Um, maybe is this a chance for Massimo to get start? Um, you know, Karen Humphrey's done well, but maybe Mass comes in? I, I think Massimo will start one of the next two. I think he has to. Uh, I think Cam has done excellently since he's been in, um, but he, he does occasionally look a bit leggy because he's 19. He's not used to be playing this many minutes in this sort of intensity yet. So I, I think one of these next two, we will see Massimo start. And I think he's deserved a start because he's been excellent from the bench, as we discussed previously. Whether it's this game or Accrington, I'm not that bothered about. I think, it, as I say, I think it'll be one of the two. The back five, I think, picks itself. I don't think there's any reason to change that. As we say, given three clean sheets in a row, why would you mess something that, that's clearly working? Um the debate about the striker, I think, is an interesting one. But ultimately, I would probably go with Freddie for the reason Steve mentioned before. Because they're going to sit deep, you're going to look to feed balls into the feet rather than Hurst, who's a bit more mobile, to get that, that ball over the top. Uh, I think it'll be a game for him. And then Broadhead and Chaplin are absolute must-starts every game because they're our best two players for me. I think they, they offer the most week in, week out consistently. I mean, Chaplin's a top goal scorer, so... Barring injuries, they will play. And then, obviously, we discussed Wes Burns earlier. Um, I, I think, again, Jackson, I think, should start one of the next two, whether that's Saturday or Tuesday. I don't think matters too much, but I, I can see him definitely starting one of those two games. Well, last time we played Burton at Porton Road, Caden Jackson started and scored in 42 seconds. So um, maybe that's, that, that's the perfect game for him to start and you know start off really well. We won that game, of course, 3-0 in the end. Um, but there we go. Um I'm actually, um, it's going to be a rare game I'm going to miss. I'm actually not going to be at the game at Porn Road. Um, and now, no offence to Burton, um, I didn't go to the away fixture against Burton, and now I'm not going to be at the home fixture against Burton. It's, I ain't got nothing against Burton. You must be glad yeah. you missed the away game because it was hammering with rain, wasn't it? And the wind yeah, to the yeah. outside would have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and of course, um, the game wasn't great, was it? I think we only just about beat Burton in that yeah, fixture when they were not doing well at all. Um, so yeah, might be, might be a game for Marcus Harness. I mean, weirdly, from the bench, obviously, yeah. former team, and that's he's got the goal earlier in the season. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the best of him recently, so maybe it's one for him to sort of find something in as well, definitely. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting one. Another big crowd, I'm expected. I think, I think, um, Andy did a piece on, on the website. I think 500,000 we've had town fans have been at Portland Road or just in general in the stadium, which is just incredible. And yeah, we, we've already had this conversation. League One, town getting 20, 30,000 fans in the stadium and the way fans following, you know, seven, nearly 7,000 um, at MK. 
it's just incredible. Um, and uh, keep Uptown fans, keep the faith. Um, the crowd, so the crowd thing's an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah. um, I was listening on the, um, the radio to the uh, FA Cup matches, and I think Sheffield United were playing Spurs, and Sheffield United um, obviously did really well. Um, and they were like, oh, it's a fantastic crowd. There's 28,500 here. I mean, we're, we're getting more than that in League One against teams that maybe you would argue aren't at the top end. Um, we're just getting fantastic crowds coming in week in, week out. So imagine what we would be doing. I mean, I know we're restricted by capacity of Portman Road. And if they do anything with that, they're not going to do anything over the close season to rapidly increase that. But our our following at home and away, I mean, there was 7,000 nearly at, at MK Dons. How on earth that was 14,000 capacity? Like that is bonkers. We were out. There was, there was no way that was 14,000 on Saturday. No way in a million years. But it just it it kind of struck me with the Sheffield United thing. So, you know, top top end championship team playing Spurs, Premier League, you know, top six, and they get twenty nine thousand and making a massive song and dance about it, and we're getting twenty nine thousand playing, you know, probably against Burton. Yeah. That's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, I mean what what a difference it makes from the McCarthy era sort of us oh. getting up twelve, thirteen thousand. Yeah, and that was like official capacity. You think there's not this many here? Yeah, yeah. there's absolutely like, no way, wasn't it? Under McCarthy yeah. at the end, um, yeah. I mean, at the start, he did a good job, but, but at the end, the wheels fell off that one big style. Um, but yeah, one, yeah, a, a massive, massive shout out to the fans really for turning up week in, week out because it's, it's not cheap to go, and um, people are going and they're spending their money and they're supporting the team. So long may that may continue. Yeah, definitely. One thing I've been loving is seeing some first-time fans as well. The, the yeah. queue for the certificates and just seeing that. And, you know, of course, more um, with this being her game too weekend, I'm sure there'll be more, um, you know, town girl supporters and just, you know, families just getting together and wanting to go. And, you know, playing teams like Burton, you know, with Forest Green, you know, the previous week, you know, there's 24,000, you know, there to see Forest Green Rovers. As you said, Sheffield United had Spurs. So, um, you know, we're getting, you know, fans are, happy to to turn up when we plan those sort of teams so um yeah keep the favor everyone um and well done for the great support um and um i think that's it for the fan social this week but as always simon steve any other business simon it's been a pleasure having you back on anything you want to plug or mention or yeah take it away uh no no other business uh from me i appreciate it appreciate the the chat it's always good to to discuss it which my favorite subject yeah so um I think I'll say it's a shout out to Hospital Radio. So I do the uh, radio commentary for them. And uh, so if you're in hospital and, and listening to us, uh, you, we're pleased to have you. Top man, top man, Simon. And um, over to you then, Steve, our correspondent in Devon, um, keeping the Plymouth fans maybe a little level after a little wobble recently. But um, over to you, Steve. Any other business? No other business. Nothing to plug, nothing to promote. Um, go to Ginger Pickle for all your. Uh, seo stuff go if you want your nuts cut go to manscape do it all um but no nothing else for me apart from that top man yeah using doing, doing the sponsor plug before me so that is perfect okay. you're the man for that um yeah use code uh, code koa get 20 percent off and free delivery with manscaped um yeah that is it for another fan social thanks for tuning in as i said if you want to get involved and get your voice heard contact me, Ross Media UK on Twitter. Um, two games this weekend, of course. The men at home to Burn at Porn Road. And, of course, the Itchers Town winner have got Plymouth Argyle 
Um, Plymouth Argyle's women's team is not as um, high-flying as the men, but um, it should be a good game at AJ Arena. If you're free and want to have a, a doubleheader of a weekend, go and support both games. Of course, her game too, dedicated weekend. Um, thanks again for watching. Of course, follow us and all the Kings of Anglia. Follow Steve and Simon on Twitter as well. And uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Bye for now. Thanks again.